scripture together from John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so your joy may be complete. My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your command. I thank you for the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would quicken our hearts And quicken our spirits today so that we might hear from you and that we might become what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Whenever I um, think about this passage of Scripture, I am the vine, you are the branches, uh, I tend to think, we tend to think, I believe, in terms of, okay, there are two characters here. Uh, There is Jesus who is the vine, and then there's me. I'm, I'm a branch. We, we are the branches. There are actually three um, because there's the gardener. It says, my father is the gardener. Uh, the gardener is the one who established the vine in the first place and planted it in the first place. He's the, he's the one who, who makes it grow. He's the, he's the one who, who tends to it. And so Jesus, uh, Jesus tells us here, that uh, the gardener prunes the branches. Um, pruning is, well, let me, let me back up just a second. Uh, probably 35 years ago, I was on a, a youth retreat, and uh, I was not one of the youth, but I was a youth leader. And uh, 35 years ago, I was on a youth retreat, and uh, this friend of mine named Larry Black came and, and taught 
on this passage of Scripture. Now, Larry doesn't do a lot of teaching. He's not necessarily a teacher, but he's, he's a pretty good teacher. And he's good in the Word, and I, and I still remember him teaching on it because he focused on this part about the father pruning, and, and I remember having an aha uh, at the time when he did it. And the aha centered around the very obvious fact that he says, each branch that bears fruit, he prunes. In other words, we tend to think of pruning as being some sort of punishment. We tend to think of pruning as being some sort of sign that, <coughs> excuse me, as being some sort of sign that something is wrong. But that's not what this passage says. The ones that don't bear fruit, they, 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 it cuts off and throws away. The only ones he prunes are the ones that are already fruitful. So pruning is not evidence that one is, is unfruitful. We have, uh, we have several crepe myrtles in, uh, in our yard. <clears throat> a couple of them are, are uh, crepe myrtles that I planted about three years ago between our house and, and, and Arwen and Jeremy's house. And they were, about four, they, they were about two feet tall when I planted them and put them in this, this area where it had just some nice rich soil and, and it's, and it's well watered. We think there might even be a, a spring or something under there because it's just always damp there always moist there and that was three years ago and and now they're about 24 inches high they have they've done I'm getting disgusted with these <laughs> with these crepe myrtles they're they're getting ready to maybe be cut off on the other hand we got this crepe myrtle that is up by our garage and it was planted right there by the foundation where they left all the debris and everything from the uh uh, from the building and I don't know how the thing gets water because we certainly don't water it or anything and it's just but this thing is like 16 feet tall and it tries to take over our, our, our driveway our parking space and we prune that thing it's very fruitful well you know crepe maples you don't eat any of that but I mean, you know, it, it has a lot of flowers. It, it, it does what it's supposed to do. It's extremely fruitful, but it's not what, when, when it grows like that, it's not what I want it to be. It's not where I want it to be, and I own it. So I prune it. And so there, there are times that God may prune us, and it's not because we're not fruitful. It's because... We're not doing or being where he wants us to be, and he owns us. At least if he's the center of my life, if I belong to him. There, pruning can take several different forms. Sometimes, sometimes he uses other people. And it isn't always authority figures. But it, it, it takes a true friend. Uh, it takes one of those kind of friends who will tell you, when your deodorant doesn't work, you know, who'll, who'll tell you, uh, you know, you, <clears throat> you know, you, do you need a tissue kind of thing? That, that kind of friend. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And when, and when you have someone that you know loves you, you might not always agree with what they say to you. And sometimes they might be wrong. But they love you. 
You can trust them. You, you, you can trust the perspective that they're coming from. There was a brother here quite a few years ago. That's one of the advantages of being in a church a long time. You, you, you outlive a lot of people who, who've, who've come and gone, and you can tell stories about the ones who are gone. Uh, but, uh, but there was a brother who was here quite a number of years ago, long before we were in this building, and I, I let him uh, speak a few times on Wednesday night. And he, uh, he you know, he did okay. It, it, it was pretty good. But I, but, and, and I was kind of walking with him, trying to mentor him. And, uh, and I noticed, but I noticed that his attitude was beginning to change. And, and you know, and things were kind of getting a little squirrely. And, uh, and he finally let me know what the issue, what, what it was. He said, well, you know, I... I didn't necessarily want to tell you this, but there have been several people who've come up to me and, uh, and said, Brother, uh, he ought to let you preach, you know, a lot more than you do. Maybe You, you maybe ought to be preaching all the time. And uh, <laughs> I looked at him and I said, Brother, they're just being nice. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, you could see it go... And, and, and it was, people have done that to me. I, was, I mean, this is Tennessee. People are just being nice, right? They like to say something nice to you when, when, you, when, you, when you're trying. And uh, bless him. Bless him, Lord. Yes, amen. I'm going to help this sermon along here. You know, and he said, oh, you sure know how to take the air out of somebody. I said, I'm not taking the air out of you. I just, I, I just love you. You need to, and you know what? It helped. It helped. Really did. Sometimes he uses people. Sometimes he uses circumstances. Not, not, not every no is from the devil. In fact, the devil loves to say yes. Oh, yeah, don't you want some more of that? Oh, yeah, wouldn't you like this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's not that... You know, it's, it's, it's not that, I mean, God gets a bad rap because a lot of people out there go, oh, you know, those, those Christians, man, you can't do this, you can't do that, you're not supposed to do this, you're not supposed to. Well, we, we, we add a lot of stuff to it, you know, but the truth of the matter is God's a good parent. God's a good parent. A parent who can't say no is, is, is worthless. Seriously. You know, if you, if you don't know how to say no, then don't have them. <laughs> and if you've read a book that tells you to not say no, burn it. You get rid of it. Three-year-olds are not smart. Even yours. I'm just telling you. 13-year-olds, well, sometimes. <laughs> uh, when Paul was, was speaking to God about the thorn in his flesh, you know, whatever that was, he, he, he said, three times I asked the Lord to take it away. And, you know, and there are people who go, well, brother, you should have just pressed on in further. He heard from God, all right, people? And this is what God said to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is not made perfect in your strength. My power is made, and as long, and what I'm doing here, Paul, is I'm, is I'm, is I'm helping you be someone 
through whom I can channel my power. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. I, I was talking last week about, well, no, let me, let me, that's not where I need to go right now. Let me, let me go somewhere else. How do you know the difference? How do you know when the no is from God or when it's the devil? You know, how, how do you know about the no? You have to hear something from the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the secret of the Christian walk. It's not learning a set of rules, although it's good to know the rules. It's not, um, uh, it's not coming to church all the time, although it's good to come to church all the time. You know, that'll help you get there. It's not even paying your tithes, although, uh, you know, paying your tithes is important. It's something that I do. It's hearing from the Holy Ghost as you go through life because life is full of nuances. Life is full of twists and turns, and the Holy Spirit is always spot on and he's there but you have you have to, you have to learn to hear his voice and the only way you can do that is is from experience sometimes people will say well how do you how, how, how can I tell if I'm hearing from God well there's no shortcut it takes time it takes time and so the best way to be pruned the absolute best way is to just listen to the Holy Ghost the same one who can tell you if that no is God or if that no is the devil is, can, can also tell you what you need to do, what he wants you to do. I uh, have, have mentioned this several times, so a bunch of you know it, but uh, December 1981 was a pivotal point in mine and Margaret's life. Uh, I was working for the Social Security Administration, uh, but I was also I was doing that full-time, and I, but I, I, was, I was an elder at the church. I led worship three times a week. I, uh, Margaret and I were youth leaders, uh, which was usually at least a two-night-a-week affair because uh, we'd have the youth meeting, and we'd almost always have an event, and then we'd have a monthly meeting on top of that. And I was in a, I was in a band with Wayne Berry, and brother, that can wear you out. And, and we would <laughs> we'd rehearse, and we'd, and we'd go, and, and we'd play places. And uh, got into December, and... and just charging like a bull, and God said, put something down. And we listened, and we prayed. And, you know, I'm not going to go through all the things that I tried to put down because I've, I've gone through that before, but ultimately it ended up being the youth work, which was, <clears throat> I mean, that was like a, a dagger to the heart to put that down. But we did. Uh, and Margaret Isaac had already been born at the time. She was, she was a full-time mom at home with him. And within the next, within the next nine months, uh, the, you know, Arwen had come along, and the, the Lord had restored a lot of the things that we'd laid down, and he opened up the opportunity for me to come into the ministry full-time as, as a youth pastor. And, well, Arwen would have been born, but none of those other things would have happened if we hadn't been pruned, if he hadn't gone, this is somebody I can trust to lay it down when I say lay it down. When Wayne first came back to the Lord, I mean, he made his living as a musician. You know, this isn't a ditch digger. You, you, you know, this is, this is a guy, this, this is, you know, the, the calluses are on the tips of the fingers. That, that's, that's, a, that's a giveaway. 
he made his living as a musician, but when he came back to the Lord, he laid the guitar down for almost a year. And if he hadn't have, he wouldn't be up here leading worship today, I'm quite sure. Because that pruning had to take place. A willingness to, to listen, and the easy way is to listen. The hard way is to let God go, okay, well, let's, let's put some circumstances together and get their attention. That's the hard way. And he can't prune us if we run. And we, we, are, we, are, we are a culture of runners. And I, and I don't mean that in a good way. We, we go from here to there, you know, as long as we like it, as long as we're comfortable, as long as we're having a good time, then we're, we're fine. But as soon as, as soon as we're not, then bam, you know, we're off here. And, and you see it in churches, of, of course. I mean, I, I meet with pastors frequently and the ones, especially the ones who pastor fairly good-sized churches, go, "You man, I, I pastor a parade. I don't cat pastor a congregation. I pastor a parade of people just kind of, just kind of passing through, and that's that's often the way that it feels. But but it's not just that; it's relationships as well. You know, when we get uncomfortable, we're we're out of here. Listen, let me tell you something. Being around people is hard." Being in close proximity with people is hard. You know, and if you live with somebody, that's real hard. Now, that doesn't mean it, it, it isn't, that doesn't mean it's not good. It's worth it. It absolutely is. But it's work. It's work. You, 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 have, to, you have to stay there. Proverbs 21, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And, and, and uh, people love to quote that verse. They just don't like to live it. They, just, they aren't willing to hang around long enough to get very sharp. And so they kind of stay dull. The uh, Jacob, I was, in my the tutorial over here, I, I started doing a a Bible survey class, and we were talking about Jacob this last week, and I was pointing out that Jacob was not a very likely candidate to be the one chosen by God because Jacob, um, he, he was deceitful. Uh, he'd stab you in the back. He, he, he'd steal things from you. Uh, he, uh, he, he was pretty carnal in a lot of his methods. But there were two reasons why God chose Jacob. One of the reasons was because Jacob could see the value of things that were invisible. And Esau couldn't, like a birthright or blessing or something like that. He'd go, that's valuable. But the other reason, and I think it's equally important, is because Jacob was willing to hang on long enough to be broken. Those of you who know the story are aware of him wrestling with God. And are an angel, angel of the Lord. And toward the end of the night, when daybreak began to come, the angel said, you, you got to let me go. And he wouldn't let him go. And he said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he blessed him by touching the center of his strength and making him a cripple. So for the rest of his life, he walked with a limp. 
But you never saw the old Jacob again. You never saw that, that conniver trusting his own strength, trust, trusting his own wisdom, trusting his own ability to do things. That guy was gone because he held on long enough to allow himself to be broken. And one other thing about this, this pruning, simply this, it's God's job to prune, not ours. We tend to slash rather than prune. And one of my favorite uh, examples of this, one of my favorite stories, and if you've been here for a few years, you've heard this. So I, I, you, you hear that fairly often, but when you get to be my age, you don't really know if you told it six weeks ago or six years ago or... <laughs> yeah, anything that happened over, over six months ago is, yeah. But uh, Averna Tompkins... And I, I don't know if she's gone on to be with the Lord yet or not, but she, I, I love to hear Averna Tompkins preach. Uh, she, uh, uh, she was a screamer, but she, she, she had something to scream about. She was, she was a good preacher. And, she was, and, I, and I remember hearing her one time at the chapel. She was sharing about the fact that she was pastoring a church, and this lady had come to the church, and this lady was a bother. This lady was a, was a, was a mess. This lady was a real problem. And Averna was sitting on the platform one day, and, uh, and, and God spoke to her and said, you see that lady? And, and Verna said, yeah, I do. And, uh, and God said, I, I, I want to discipline her. And Averna went, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, she needs it. Yes, would love to see you do that, God. And, uh, but then God said, but I can't. See, I sent her to your church because I thought that you would encourage her and support her and comfort her and love her so that I could discipline her. But the whole time she's been here, I've had to encourage her and support her and comfort her because you've been trying to discipline her. It's not our job. He'll do it. He will do it. The Holy Spirit will take care of it. Our job is to love one another. And remain in him. In fact, remaining in him is really, it's not just job one, it's job everything. We can't make fruit grow. Can't do it. It, it only comes by remaining in him. If you cut a branch off of an apple tree, that branch is not going to bear any more apples. A pecan tree is not going to bear any more pecans. The only way it can produce what it was created to produce is to stay attached. And that's as, as long as it'll do that, then the fruit will come. And this is a life verse for me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do anything, but it means apart from him, we, we can do nothing. I, I mentioned last week, uh, I was talking about a place to belong, and, and I was sharing some of, the, some of the times that it's been uncomfortable for me, but uh, I was also sharing that most of the time, I mean, because of the gifts that God has put into my life, they tend toward the social uh, things that... that that are helpful in social situations, it usually hasn't taken me too long to feel comfortable where I am. You know, I'm old enough to realize that different people have different gifts. They, 
some people some people can sing, some people can dance, some people are are uh, are gregarious and have have these outgoing personalities, and some people have big smiles, and uh, you know some people can can draw, and some people can paint, and some people can write, and some people can spell, and I can do about half of those. And the other half, I'm not very, not very good at. And the things that we're talented at, it, we have a tendency to not understand why everybody can't do this. You know, somebody who's got the talent to just sit down and, you know, and sketch something and, and somebody look at it and go, I know what that is. You know, those people, they have a tendency to not understand, why can't he do that? Me being the he that they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, those areas that we have strengths in, those areas that we have talents in, are the areas where we need this verse the most. Because they're the ones where we're tempted to go, I got this one. I, I, I can make something happen here. I, I can take off with this and, and run with it. But that, God does not help those who help themselves. You've, you've heard me uh, mention that before. And, uh, and, and that is such an insidious that is a word, right? Uh, yeah, and, uh, and, uh, don't ask me to define it, but it, but it sounds appropriate at this moment. That's such an, in, such an insidious thought. It kind of worms its way in, in, into you there. Uh, it's so pervasive in our culture. My mom used to quote that. My mom was a brilliant woman, and she, and she read the Bible every day and wholly devoted to Jesus and and yet she would tell me, the Lord helps those who help themselves, and my daddy would let her do it. <laughs> and it's just not true. The Lord helps those who trust in him. Abraham and Sarah helped themselves, and they ended up with Ishmael. Moses helped himself. He ended up a murderer and an exile. Saul helped himself, and, and, and he ended up chasing David away and being defeated by his enemies. Peter, Peter helped himself, thought, thought he was helping Christ. He ended up cutting a guy's ear off and going off in shame and denying Christ. And all that's, 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 not, that's not the way it works. Apart from him, we can't do anything. And also, fruit only comes in season. And not every season is a season of harvest. You know, we have a tendency to think that if it, you know, if it's not getting bigger and better and stronger and faster and, and, and richer and deeper, then something's wrong. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's autumn. Maybe it's, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's winter. When I was uh, in Zimbabwe, there was, a, there was a brief period where I was the acting director at the school there, and one of the students came to me one, uh, one time and said, uh, uh, pastor, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to leave the school. And I thought, well, you know, he's got some money problems or family issue or something. I said, you know, what's, what's the problem? He said, oh, pastor, the, the, last, the, the, the last term that I was here, things were, were so strong. The, the, the spirit was really moving, and I really felt God's presence in my life. And, and, uh, and, and this term, I, I, I just I don't feel that, so I need to leave. Whoa. Whoa, that's not how it works. And if you think that's how it works, what ends up happening is that when the season of dormancy comes and you keep shooting off in another direction, you end up, you know, pasting fruits and stuff all over yourself to make it look like 
you're doing something to make, to make it look like this is a season of harvest. But it's not. Sometimes those roots have got to grow. So, some, sometimes, sometimes it's a season of rest that, comes into, that, that is needed, that comes into our life. Let me, let me take a, 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 a little quick thing here and just talk about this for a second. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you can ask for anything you want and it'll happen. That's pretty powerful. That's a pretty powerful verse of Scripture, but we need to understand the concept here. Our words are important, but they cannot force God's hand. And I'm glad. Have you ever wanted something that was bad for you? You know, if you haven't ever wanted something that was bad for you, you were never a child. You came into this world... Actually, you're not, you didn't come into this world. You, you're just too ignorant to realize that it was bad for you when you wanted it. Of course, we, we, all, we, all, we all do. And if his, But if his word remains in us, and I'm not talking about so that we can use it like a magic formula. I'm not talking about so we can whip out this verse and cast that spell on that situation because I got, I got one here for it. I'm talking about the abiding presence of the Word of God in our lives, hearing the Holy Spirit, sensing what the Father wants. and See, the reason why everything that Jesus asked for happened was because he only said what he heard the Father say. He only did what he saw the Father doing. And when we get to the place where we're that in touch, where we're that in tune with God, things happen. We tend to look at situations and we know what we'd like to have happen. But the question is, what does he want to have happen? How about a prophetic word? I mean, you know, it's, when, when, the Lord, when the Lord speaks to you, well, certainly. I mean, certainly we can receive a direct word from the Lord, but I'm very leery of teaching people to prophesy. That's kind of like teaching a, a, a branch to bear fruit. I mean, you don't teach that. It happens as they do something, as they remain and the Lord, and it's especially true if the teaching doesn't include the need to be strongly grounded in, in copious amounts of God's Word. Because the only, way you can, the only way you can know, it's not like, well, what if an angel appears to me? Oh, you mean like an angel of light, which Satan can appear as? No. The only way you can know, is this God or is this, is this the devil, is this Word from the Lord or not? is to know what he sounds like, to know, to know the texture of his presence, to, to know what he feels like. Uh, it's, it's a silly story, but I need to share it. It comes to me now. Uh, we had uh, friends in Zimbabwe who were uh, wanting to go to South Africa, and they needed visas, and the wife couldn't find their visas. 
and the husband was kind of upset about this. And, uh, and she said, well, I, I, I'm sure that I left them at the, at the South African uh, uh, council, uh, consulate. And uh, so he went down and uh, talked to the lady there, and he explained, you know, why they had to be here. And the lady went and looked, and, and he was there like, you know, half a day. Couldn't find it. He goes back to his wife. His wife says, well, I, I know they have to be there because boom, 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 boom. And so he goes back and he says, look, they have to be here because mm, 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 mm. Well, the woman spends another half a day looking, can't find it. You know, they're getting kind of uh, at, at, at wit's end about, about this at this point. And so his wife goes down to talk to the woman at the consulate. And the woman says, how do you know you left it here? And she said, I feel like I did. And five minutes later, they had found it. Uh, and when Peter was telling me about this, I was kind of going, please, you know, women, you just, you tell them. <laughs> and, they, and it just doesn't, but then they feel it. And, and you know, and, and, and suddenly they communicate and, and it's there. You know. <laughs> well, I was 30-something then. And I'm 60-something now, and I was right. That's exactly how it works. They feel it, and it's there, and they connect. And there is nothing wrong with that. And that's the way you got to get with God. I mean, there's this, but there's this as well. You begin to know that's God. That's God. He's here. I'm out of time, but this won't take too long. Very quickly, remain in my love. There's a lot here. He talks about keeping my commands, keeping my commands, but you can't get away from this love thing. He just, he just keeps talking about it. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And he closes out the passage saying, this is my command, love each other, just in case you forgot what it was. This, this is it. And you're... You need to remain in my love. And he says, if you'll do this, it'll make your joy complete. Now, I know that people are wired differently, you know, and I know that some have a dour countenance and some have a sunny countenance and some people have, um, um, you know, seem, just seem to be more optimistic than others and everything. And really, none of that has anything to do with joy. But, but you can kind of tell when there's some joy going on and, and, and when it's not there. And it hurts my heart when people are, are, I mean, we go through seasons where we struggle with things, but when people are chronically in, in a place of no joy, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, also known as meekness, and self-control. And, and there are those who would, uh, who would uh, contend that after love, there shouldn't be a period, there should be a, there should be a colon, because all of these other things flow out of love, and it's true. I mean, I agree with that. You can't have these other things without, without love. If you don't have love, I promise you, you don't have peace. And you don't have joy. And, and I'm talking about the, the chronic love. It goes on. I'm not talking about the acute love, although they're, they're similar. You know, when you have that ac acute love attack, 
you're happy and you're peaceful and it's great and it doesn't matter you know she doesn't know which way the toilet paper is supposed to be put on the roll but I'm talking about that love that you know 30 40 years later goes I'll just fix it for her you know put it on right I love her And if you've got a joy problem, if, you, if you've got a, a deficiency of peace, if you've got a deficiency of patience, those are just symptoms. What you've got is a deficiency of love. You can't really love until you know how much you are loved. Jesus said, I chose you. I chose you. He loves you. He chose you. You didn't just you just you didn't just turn on the TV and and hear that sermon at the you know by accident or, or you know you didn't just come to church one day because it was your your aunt Martha's birthday and you ended up there and and you ended up getting yeah and God didn't go oh darn I didn't know he was going to be here you know no he appointed you to be there. He chose you. You belong. You have a place. You are deeply and richly loved. And if you'll remain in that deep, rich love, your joy becomes complete. Would you stand with me? It's just so good serving the Lord belonging to him well, those who are going to pray with people come uh, come forward at this this time if you're here and you don't know uh, Christ we'd love to introduce you to him maybe uh, you probably didn't come expecting to like get saved or anything but you know here you are and the Holy Spirit's spoken something in your heart and you're kind of going man you know that that sounds like that might be a better deal than what I'm living right now well, it is. It is. He appointed you to be here because he wants you to meet him. If you're here and you, any need that you may have, you're deeply loved. This house is his house, but it's your house. And he wants to meet your need. If you don't need to come, just worship with us for a few moments. We'll create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, come, come. Grace to you.
peace if you feel like you need to sign up for that by all means please do um, and then uh, singing in the rain this week it's a lot of fun um, and then Wednesday night I encourage you to come Wednesday night I think Brian Ensminger is going to give his uh, testimony and I know some of that story it's a good one raise your hand let me give you a blessing may the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world so that we might have life and have it to the full so that we might bear fruit fruit that will last may you remain in him in these weeks to come and may you be pleasing to the father through jesus christ our lord amen